You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Hello and welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about the Green New Deal and the Grammys. I'm Yasmin Lomax. And I'm Micah Hahn. And we are your friendly hosts of this Freaky Friday episode of Different Things Can Be Sad. Very exciting. Well, what does the Freaky Friday episode mean? Well, I can I can tell you that it does have nothing to do with that Chris Brown song with Lil Dicky. We would never do that to you. No, no, no. Um, sadly, it doesn't have anything to do with the Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis movie, which I recently found out is actually a remake of like an older movie called Freaky I Friday. Didn't know that. No, it's a bit like how that Natalie Imbruglia song Torn isn't actually original either, but mm-hmm. um it's fine. I like Jamie. I like Lindsay. Unfortunately, you're not going to hear about that. What you are going to hear <laughs> is a little bit of a role reversal. I'm going to be doing the politics. Mike is going to be doing the pop culture. Mm-hmm. I did say that the right way around, right? I did. Yes. Um, and yeah, you'll get, to, you'll get to hear different people talking about different things on different things can be said. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, Micah, how has your month been? I think it's been an exciting one for you. It has. In Canada, we don't have spring break because we're not cool enough for that, but we have reading week. Um, oh my gosh, that's such a lame name. I'm so sorry. Reading week. Name. <laughs> um, but I did a not lame thing and I went to Cancun. Wow! Was wonderful. Oh, and we amazing. all inclusive. We ate a lot of food. We sat by the guac? beach. Some guac. Guac. That's where Got it's at. Tanned. That was nice. Oh my god, you must wear a sunscreen. You I know wish- how passionate I am about sunscreen. Oh my god. We wore so much sunscreen, sat in the shade. We were those people. Still got yes. Don't understand how it happened. That Mexican sun. I think they've it's written the songs about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty wonderful. It was a good that time. Was good mental break. The highlight of your February, you would say? Definitely. What about yeah. you? Um, I have been settling into my new job. I, I feel I say this every episode, but um, <laughs> no, this was the first month in my new job. Um, and that's, that's kind of consumed, consumed me this month, settling into that big girl nine to five routine. So, you know, that's been me. Um, but I have found some time to do some reading of things, yes. which I would like to tell you and our dear listeners about. Um, so there's two books actually that I posted on my Instagram. If you follow me on at Yasmin Lomax on Instagram, I keep a tally of all the books I read. I did it last year and like people really enjoyed it. I had some people say yeah. that, like, you know, they, they got some, some recommendations. So, you know, I thought, thought I'd keep her up. Um, but one that I, I talked to about a, with a few people about is um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshfeg. And this is a book with firstly a really stunning cover. So the artwork is Jacques Louis David's or David, maybe? Is that <laughs> is that a French pronunciation? David. Um 1798 Portrait of a Young Woman. And then the title and the spine are in this like really clashing shade of hot pink. So that is that is wonderful. But the book itself is it's about an unnamed protagonist who attempts to use prescription medication to sleep for a year. And it is set in New York between like mid 2000 and September, 2001, I'll say. Um, And you Mm. can infer from that 
what you what you will um the book is extremely black and bleak and uncomfortable to read and the protagonist is the really horrible person i mean i won't even say a not nice person like she is a really horrible person but somehow it's like a super compelling book and everyone i've talked to about it has said the same thing they're like oh no it was like it feels awful but at the same time you can't stop reading it so mm-hmm. um that's one I will, you know what, I'm, I'm a recommended. Um, I, I thought that one was fascinating. But the one I really have to like holler from the rooftops about is Becoming by Michelle Obama, which, have you read this, Micah? I haven't yet. I need to. I might listen to the audiobook. Yes, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I was on the wait list at my library, but it was like months away, like mm-hmm. a six-month wait list. And then my mom got me this, which was really nice. Um. Mm-hmm. So what I loved about this was that it's like, it's really, really accessible. And like Michelle makes it very clear that she's not into politics. She's like, I don't really like politics and it's Mm -hmm. not her forte and she doesn't have a background in it. So it's not a political book, which I think um, if you've read any of like Hillary Clinton's memoirs, like they're also like super fascinating, Mm -hmm. but it does have that like politics focus, which can make it a little bit less accessible um, Mm -hmm. if you're not, you know super involved in that scene so this is really really accessible it's um really honest and her writing is really really beautiful and poetic um but what i loved was that i think like different people will get really different things from it so like for me i found a huge amount of comfort in her admission that like she'd spent too much of her early life ticking boxes because it seemed like Mm -hmm. the right thing to do so you know this was a lot of um you know going straight to princeton and then she talks about deciding to go uh, to harvard law school i've actually got a little quotation i would like to read so um my good friend michelle says (laughs) (laughs) before enrolling to harvard law school um she says if i'd stopped to think about it i might have realized that i was burned out by the by school sorry by the grind of lectures papers and exams and probably would have benefited from doing something different instead i took the lsat wrote my senior thesis and dutifully reached for the next rung applying to the best law schools in the country i saw myself as smart analytical and ambitious she goes on to say i can admit now that i was driven not just by logic but by some reflexive wish for other people's approval too and then further on she says this may be the fundamental problem with caring a lot about what other people think it puts you on the established path the my isn't that impressive path and keeps you there for a long time maybe it stops you from swerving from ever considering a swerve because that's what you risk is because what you risk in in because what you risk losing, oh my gosh, yes, and in terms of other people's high regard can feel too costly. Um, so if you don't know, she had a fantastic job as a lawyer mm-hmm. that she ultimately wasn't satisfied with and ended up leaving the role and the fancy office and all the perks that came with it and, of course, the huge pay packet to do work in community engagement. So I just thought, like, that message was really nice that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's never too late to, to, to do a swerve, essentially. But other people might like some other themes that she touches on. So, for example, she talks about family. So how she balanced her desire for the traditional family setup that she enjoyed as a child with her own career ambition. And then adding into that, um, her relationship with Barack and the struggles she had with 
the impact of his work on their family and what message that was sending to their daughters. She talks about loss and grief, about championing causes, about navigating leadership as a black woman and how other people's prejudices about her race and gender affected how she went about leadership. Um, so I definitely think there's something in there for everyone and I cannot recommend it enough. It just fills you with this warm, fuzzy feeling and I just wanted to read it all day, every day. And I spent all my time thinking about it. So huge recommend. How about you, Micah? Um, so by the pool, I decided to Oh, bring- stop it. That's Hi. not fair. You can't start out with by the pool. Uh, well, I made the decision to bring a 500-page hardback with me across oh. the continent, which was silly but worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read The Female Persuasion by Megan Wolitzer. Uh, I've seen that around a lot. The cover is um, really Yeah, okay. it was... Um, like one of the big books of last year, she's a yeah. like, she's written quite a bit. It's about this girl named Greer, who um, goes to this kind of second-rate college because of uh, circumstances. She couldn't go to Yale when she got in, um, and she goes and she sees the speech from um, this second-wave feminist, and this is in like two thousand six. And this speech kind of changes her life and kind of makes her think about what she wants to do with her life and how she sees herself. And so it's about her life, but also the life of the second wave feminist and the, her best friend's life and her boyfriend's life and how this kind of interplay between generations happens and like cut this kind of political legacy of feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read kind of critiques of it, it's very like white feminist, like everyone right, in there okay. is very white. They're very professionalized. Um, it's a very specific type of feminism and that's addressed yeah. a little bit. Um, but not to the point that, like, it really should be, I think. Um, regardless of that, I don't think just because it's white feminists, the story shouldn't be told. It's just that it should have been told in a kind of more understanding aware? way. Aware yeah, way. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but it was really great. I, like, as a person who studies feminist history and feminism, it's really wonderful and it like your bread and butter isn't it inside Mm. so that was good would recommend um just know the caveats of it um the other thing i read slash listened to um is called the nowhere girls by amy reed um just for anyone who's listening uh this book does talk about sexual assault so if you don't want to listen to that skip ahead a couple minutes um but it's a YA book about um, these three girls who decide to take matters into their own hands when um, this hatred of a girl who accuses the football players of sexual assault um, makes the girl have to leave town because everyone doesn't believe her oh. and they're kind of awful to her. So they like, take matters into their own hands and they um, start a feminist, underground feminist group called the Nowhere oh, Girls. I love it. They like start calling out all the boys about what they've been doing. And they, like, hold things like a sex strike until um, these, like, boys are brought to justice. It's That's great. wild. Oh, my God. Um, so, it's a, like, it's very sad because of the topic, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, and it deals with – it's kind of one of those things that, like – you know how some YA books just kind of, like, have check boxes and then, they, like, they check them all? Like, they have to talk yes. about certain things. And when you a read – A bit after school especially? Is that kind of kind what you're meaning? Right. Like, it's you can tell it's like incredibly aware of the discourse around sexual assault and feminism. Like right, it okay. Phrases it has the like narrative that we've created about it. Um, does it still feel authentic, or does it, it feel does. like they were trying a bit hard? It feels a little bit trying hard, but like I think the thing is, is 
if I had read this, like, five, six years ago, I would have thought it was the best thing ever. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely YA in that it appeals to a group of people who haven't, like, had an exposure to this stuff. And I'm like, I'm also, like, incredibly biased because this is what I study. I study feminism and political responses to sexual assault and stuff like that. So it's not uncommon for me, but, like, and as you were saying, like, if it's aimed at a 15-year-old girl, she's yeah. not going to have a degree in feminism, so this will have a yeah. different effect, yeah. Um, so I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's younger and doesn't, like, know a lot about it. It's really empowering, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and the audiobook is so good. I was listening to the end of it on a bus in Mexico and was, like, tearing up <laughs> and, like, trying to, like, wipe away the tears. Yeah. Okay. Um, but definitely a good one. Okay, and have you been watching anything interesting this um, month? I have. I because we were doing a girls trip, we decided to watch uh, girls' night movies. So we watched yes, some movies yes, we've yes, already yes, seen yes. before. So Clueless, and if you Amazing. were looking at my Instagram, you saw we watched All the Boys again. Oh, I don't know how many times I've watched it. And then like after I watched it a couple time, weeks ago, actually, I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you watch that, you have to go into a debate about Peter Kavinsky and how uh, wonderful. It's like, yeah, I know you're on the other side. Josh, better. I like Josh. I don't think so. <laughs> I just like Josh. Okay. Um, <laughs> what um, else you watch? The other one we watched, the only one I hadn't seen before, was Dumpling, which is uh, another one of the yes. Netflix young adult I- originals. I talked about this maybe in our December episode. I had watched it in Sweden. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That's a fun I movie. Liked it. Yeah, like the soundtrack and the Dolly Parton stuff is fabulous. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit boring. Like, it was very predictable. But it was fun. Mm. Yeah, there's, like, it's not hugely, like, action-driven or anything. No. It's very character-wise. And the book's like that as well. But mm-hmm. it, is, um, it is good fun. Do you have any movies you have to watch on a girls movie night like what are your top ones oh um so in australia we kind of had like the holy trinity of girls mm-hmm. night movies which were mean girls yeah. um obviously um mm-hmm. angus thongs and perfect snogging which i'm not sure has a huge um appeal outside the uk ireland and australia have you seen no. it michael i haven't oh. i've read the books it is phenomenal like literally mm-hmm. like I have friendships that are built on like Angus Kong's meme snogging and just like meme snogging. Angus Kong's and perfect <laughs> snogging. Meme tagging. Um, I don't make out with memes or anything like that. Um, but like we just talk about the quotes all the time. That's amazing. And also, um, this is a movie that I mentioned to everyone in America and none of the our American friends had heard of it. And I was like bizarre because I, I thought it was an American-made movie, but uh, Wild Child with Emma Roberts. Have you seen that? I've seen the trailer, but I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. Yeah. No, this is bizarre because literally like every girl in Australia grows up having seen Mean Girls, Wild Child, Angus Thongs, and like everyone in America was like, wait, what's, what's Wild Child? And that is about <laughs> Emma Roberts who goes to a boarding school in England. And mm-hmm. it is, um, that's phenomenal. So they would definitely be my my three picks. Um, those are pretty good. Yeah, maybe I should have should have watched some of those this month because I didn't really have a good month of um, of watching. Um, I watched some of the award season stuff, some mm-hmm. some highlights of that. Um, I will not get into the whole 
Oscars who deserves what because that's a whole other pod. Can we uh, we can just say Olivia Coleman? What a wonderful oh, that speech though. I watched, I didn't actually get to watch the Oscars live, which was unfortunate, but I watched yeah. it the day after and like started crying while watching oh, it. Oh, I cried. I cried. Um, my only other note is because there's so many notes, but I will say it in this pod. Timmy wasn't there, and I was upset by that. So, worst Oscars ever, in my opinion. No, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was. There was some really great points of it. Um, I did watch the Super Bowl. I set up mm-hmm. to watch that. Um, great result. Very happy with that. Um, no, I would like people to please recommend shows to me because um, I. I'm trying to learn Spanish, as I've mentioned before, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved La Casa de la Flores on Netflix. Like, it has the most special place in my heart. I watched um, Sempre Bruja this month. Um, But, I mean, even though I love seeing an Afro-Colombian woman in a lead role, um, and Colombia looks amazing in it, now I really Mm want to go. Um, It had some hugely, hugely problematic elements that, again, could be, like, unwrapped for hours um so if anyone has suggestions i'm looking at made in mexico on netflix which is like made in chelsea but in mexico or um club de cuervos so if anyone has suggestions please hit me up because i need to learn my spanish um what about listening have you listened to good stuff this month um the only new stuff i've listened to is the new vampire weekend stuff which i think It came out like yes, my days after we recorded. It I'm did. So I was excited. Okay, the album artwork is not attractive. Like it's it is, odd. it's like the the little um, the snake. Know, sorry, I should just make clear to everyone that I have um, a problem with green and orange. So I just went to call that an orange snake. I kind of <laughs> um, it's green. I can I can see that the snake is green. My mouth always wants to say orange instead of green, though. It's something. Your parents could probably help me with it, Micah, mm. with their, their color theory um, specialities. But um, the green snake, yes. What did you think of, of Harmony Hall? I really like both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for the new album. Yes! Like, it brings me so much joy. There's some like, controversy about the fact that they're just like using lyrics from old songs. Yes, yeah, so like there's the finger back reference, right? Yeah. Where, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was I cool. Like, I was like, I think I was like oh my gosh, finger back. Yeah, I was like fangirling. Yeah. Um, so, just very happy about that. It was, I know what you mean though. Like when they haven't come out with a new album in like five, six years and then like <laughs> the chorus of this one. It's just the, the same chorus. Of finger back. I was like, um, okay. sorry, you had like six years and you couldn't come up with a new line i am confused uh probably because they spent so so long just putting random words together like they probably used up the assortment of random words yeah like like, yeah like a punk is just like random words weren't we talking about this we were saying um our swedish friend vibika if you're listening vibika hello um she was saying that she like likes vampire weekend but like the lyrics are really like challenging because like oh, they're they're so, s- the pronunciation so is, is bad like the pronunciation everything's very mumbled and very fast mm-hmm. and then like if you were learning a new like a, a second language and you were hearing mm-hmm. that i'd be like those words don't go together like just it'd be very off-putting like oh no i take pride in the fact that i know almost all the words to all the songs yeah 
some Interpol are a bit like that, just to weave Interpol in here. Mm -hmm. um, same kind of thing. Um, but I, yeah, as you probably gathered, I also enjoyed the <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Um, I still want to know if Ezra Honig has a baby with Rashida Jones. That's still mm -hmm. like my most pressing question in life. <laughs> um, what's going to happen with Brexit? Do Ezra and Rashida have a baby together? I don't know. Um, but this month, I have also been listening to Casey Musgraves' album Golden Hour. Have you listened mm -hmm. to this, Micah? I really don't like country, so... Yes, no, no, me neither. Okay, so I was like, you know how everyone's all like, uh, country, and it's like such a joke, and I've always been like, uh, country. But like, I'm a little bit worried that I might be a country fan. Like, you know, we're talking about oh, Dumplin'. Yeah. You know when you yes. watch Dumplin' and you're like, Dolly, Dolly, like, yes. And then, I don't know, like, Miley's kind of bringing out Nothing Breaks Like a Heart, which I know is, like, that's got a country, a country feel, of country feel. Um... And I was just like, oh my gosh, maybe maybe I like country music now. But um, yeah, I'm not like plugged into that. And I think that's why I'm obviously the second to last person in the world to listen to this album because I wouldn't normally go like sussing out mm -hmm. country albums. Um, but I heard about it when it won like a bunch of Grammys. And yeah. I mean, I know like there's a discussion that needs to be had about the Grammys, like historic and continued habit of ignoring music by black artists and mm -hmm. music in the rap and hip-hop genre and I think we should all you know rightly question award shows but I mean I personally find value in them as a way to learn about yeah. music and movies and tv shows that I wouldn't otherwise know about I mean I honestly had only heard of Roma like when the Oscar nominations came out <laughs> so, a little behind you know, there. yeah you learn about things um so this album it is like I just I loved it I loved it I find it to be a very self-aware country record like it's very lyrically tongue-in-cheek and um it also kind of blends like those tropes of the country genre with really contemporary millennially sort of references like I mean the album is called Golden Hour which I think has become inextricably linked with Instagram these days right yeah um my favorite song is High Horse. It is very, very witty and it's a little bit disco. So I think that could be a good introduction to the country genre. Mm -hmm. My guy, I bet next month you'll come back and we'll be like, country, country, like, yeehaw. <laughs> sure. the different things can be said. Um, that was a really, really strong accent there. Um, so this episode is not sponsored by Willie Nelson, just saying. Um, mm -hmm. Or the state of Texas. So I guess we should move on to the Freaky Friday element of the show. So as I have mentioned, this is a Freaky Friday episode and I, Yasmin, will be doing the politics section. Um, so my interest in politics has completely shifted over the past year. This is definitely not something. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, I would say maybe like 33% this podcast. I would say 33% <laughs> like being in the US when things like March for Our Lives were going on. I mm -hmm. felt like that was a huge eye opener for me personally. It was a kind of, for me, that was the moment where it was like, okay, we don't have a choice not to be interested in politics anymore. Mm -hmm. Which I understand is such a privileged thing to say, to be yeah. like, oh, now I decide to be interested in politics. Um, 
so I'm recognizing that privilege there. But I think for so many people, that was a time when it just not having a voice wasn't an option anymore. Mm-hmm. definitely that and as we've talked about in i believe our very first episode all these fantastic um a lot of the time young women coming up mm-hmm. in, in politics at the moment and um that's kind of given me the confidence that you can you know you can you can you can say stuff and you can have opinions and you can learn and that's what i love about this podcast is that i have been put in a space each month where i have got to learn things mm-hmm. and I, feel embarrassed about it so thank you Micah you have changed my life um so yeah look I wouldn't done this this time last year but I'm doing it this time this year and what I want to talk about is the UK um we haven't done a lot of that and it's not going to be about Brexit I do have a genuine fear that like in five years time we're going to be like why did we never discuss Brexit on the podcast because like now we still have time just I'm worried about our ambivalence. But today, what I'm going to talk about is upskirting. Um, I said that very, very good pronunciation there. Upskirting. Upskirting. Um, (laughs) Which has been in the news in (laughs) February because it was finally made illegal in England and Wales. And I would like to run you through the history of this campaign and why it's important. So basically, it starts with Gina Martin, who is a 27-year-old woman who was attending a killer's concert. So already she's my best friend. Yeah. Um, with, with her, that's how it works. Um, with her sister in London in 2017 when a man took a photo of her skirt and shared it with his friends on, I believe, WhatsApp. And she saw it and she took the phone and she alerted security and the matter was taken to the police but the photo was deleted and the police said they couldn't really do anything about it mm-hmm. and um in an article Gina wrote for refinery 29 called why i'm changing the law on upskirting she explains this. she says perpetrators don't often get charged with voyeurism because voyeurism laws only protect victims if they're in a private setting where there's a reasonable expectation of privacy like a changing room or at home so mm-hmm. There was just this gap in the law that wasn't guaranteeing that everyone's going to be protected. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that this is enormously prevalent. Um, So a freedom of information request by the Press Association to police forces in England and Wales revealed that 78 cases of upskirting have been recorded since 2015. And I mean that's like just the people who've recorded it. I mean, what Gina has said was so I think moving to her was that stuff like this happens to women every single day. And because of, you know, how it's become so commonplace, people don't report it and you start to believe that maybe it isn't an offense. So, I mean, 78 is still huge, but I have no doubt there's Mm -hmm. like thousands more than that. Um, GQ and YouGov State of Man poll found that 70, 15, sorry, percent of men aged 25 to 35 do not consider upskirting in the workplace to be sexual harassment, which is terrifying. That's so yeah. like, how they does don't that even happen in your brain? Like you just, like, imagine thinking that taking a photo up someone's skirt is okay. Like that is bizarre to me. Like, 
that you, the, you don't think there's anything wrong with it like that's the odd thing is that it's one thing to do it but the fact that you don't think there's anything wrong with doing it is, is another whole Ooh. but um yeah apparently it's huge in japan um you not allowed to turn the shutter sound on your camera on your smartphone camera off um so that potential victims can be alerted um mm-hmm. people have been buying shoe cameras there um there are some cases i read about one in the uk where a man had like placed his phone in his shopping basket with the camera up and then would like leave it on the ground so he could like record up girl skirts um that's awful Mm-mm. And I think like the the paparazzi have a lot to answer for this because um, I think Jamila Jamil has talked about the fact that the paparazzi in the UK and the, like a lot of the press in the UK, like publications like the Daily Mail, are really hell bent, or especially like in the the you know the two thousands, were really hell bent on capturing young women looking bad like they love mm-hmm. that they just wanted to get someone looking bad and they were flat out trying to get photos of female celebrity skirts like as they were getting out of cars and i yeah. think that was yeah, like a we, weird thing it was an era where everyone was just like oh, okay like there's Lindsay lohan's like underwear and it was just like there's yeah like oh, at okay. least she's wearing some yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, that was and that was the only clapback we had not that um okay maybe we should not be pointing a camera at someone's skirt and I think that did a lot to to normalize it, right? Like yeah. if, people, if 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 people are seeing that the paparazzi are doing it and that like a newspaper is publishing the photographs, then mm-hmm. you know, it's no wonder people think that it's okay to do this. Um there was an incident last year where um at the Brit Awards, the twenty eighteen Brit Awards, uh, presenter Holly Willoughby was the victim of upskirting while she was holding a rose for the times up movement so that is real classy behavior yeah um and yeah as i mentioned uh gina martin just felt like these kind of things had happened one too many times and um she wanted to do something about it so initially she shared she had a selfie of her and her sister from the the festival Mm -hmm. uh she shared that on Facebook and kind of had shown the guys were in the background, the ones who were taking the photo of her and the photo went really, really viral. And yeah, well, sadly there was a lot of people who were trolling her saying, you know, Oh, you should have been wearing a skirt and all that kind of ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Um, And ironically the photo was removed by Facebook for violating community standards uh, because it was viewed as harassment. It was viewed that she was harassing the guys ah, by making their photos. were harassing her. Yeah. So because she had nice. taken a photo of their faces, it was okay for her. Like, but that, that that wasn't okay. But them to take a photo of her skirt was somehow fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really bad. So she started then doing like media appearances. So she was on Good Morning Britain. Um, she said that she sat opposite a female ex-police officer who told her that the police have more important things to deal with, like terrorism. Um, and to that, I say different things can be sad, you know? <laughs> yeah. The police officer's point was that, oh, well, the police shouldn't, you know, be removed from the festival to care about your upskirting photo because what if there's terrorism? Okay, but, like, terrorism's an extreme. Like, people can mm-hmm. still be upset about other bad things. And I think that's something else that Gina Martin had talk, talked about. You know, we were talking a little bit about white feminism and she said she's always tried to be really self-aware about that and she worried a little bit that, you know, when there's such 
awful, awful, awful things happening to, um, you know, more like minorities and women of color and maybe the transgender community that, you know, is this the most pressing thing and she's just like you know you know you, you can't think like that like it, this is important yeah. as well. it's pressing um, for her and she's exactly. not denying other things she's just saying this is the thing i want to deal with yeah and you can't you can't focus on everything all at once you know mm-hmm. like you have to do one thing at a time and this was the thing that she was able to do so um she also teamed up with eliza hatch who was the creator of cheer up love a photojournalism series dedicated to sharing women's stories of being sexually harassed in public spaces mm-hmm. um, and then and refinery 29 uk to uh tell the stories of women who have been upskirted and encourage the government to hashtag stop skirting the issue and then ultimately nice. this led to her campaign to change the law in england and wales so she teamed up with a lawyer named ryan whelan from gibson mm-hmm. don and crutcher and basically, they did 18 months of campaigning. There was, you know, petitions, all these media things that I've mentioned, uh, lots and lots of meetings. And eventually, a gender-inclusive bill, which I think is fantastic, was mm-hmm. put forward by Liberal Democrat MP Weira Hophouse. Um, it was actually blocked in June last year by a conservative MP named Christopher Chope. Um, apparently, it was because he just didn't understand what upskirting was and he apparently doesn't like private members bills um that's ridiculous i know right yeah maybe i i i don't know a lot about him but it it seems like maybe he just you know has these kind of old school views about who should be putting what forward and doesn't believe that Mm -hmm. private citizens should be doing that um and you know this could have been a time where people really you know, that would have already been a really awful day for Gina. And, you know, I'm sure there was trolls who did jump on, but the overwhelming response was like wide, wide condemnation of, of Christopher Chope, even within his own party. There was mm-hmm. so many conservative MPs who were like, no, like, what was your, like, why? Um, but it did secure government backing in mid-July last year. And then in January this year, it passed its final stage. And then the Queen signed it in February. So That's great. Yeah. So now offenders could face up to two years in jail and could be put on the sex offenders register. And I also hope that Brandon Flowers bans them from ever listening to or joining a drunken sing-along to Mr. Brightside ever again. Because... That would really hit those those guys who took that mm-hmm. photograph where it hurts. Um, so fantastic news, but yeah, not the end. It is not the end. Um, so there's still parts of the UK where upskirting is is there's not a law to prevent mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, to explicitly prevent this. So I mentioned that it had just become legal in England and Wales. It was oh sorry, illegal in England and Wales. <laughs> not you. Um, it was already illegal or laws were created against it in Scotland. Um, However, in Northern Ireland, there is a case going on at the moment concerning a student who had taken upskirt photos of teachers. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And apparently this happens a lot more than we would like to think. Um, Australia, New Zealand and India have laws against it. It varies by state by state in the U S so Illinois, Massachusetts, have laws against it there was a case in canada this is truly awful this is this the teacher, teacher? 
Yeah, the, the teacher. Pen? So this, so this mm -hmm. teacher had this pen that had um, a camera in it and was looking down the shirts of his students. Mm -hmm. And the I read judge about said that it wasn't um, voyeurism because it was yeah. didn't have an expectation of privacy. Yeah. So we need one of those laws, please. Yeah. So that's the thing is that like everyone knows that it's wrong, and it does depend how this law is going to be upheld but the thing is is that there is that gap as you said because it's yeah. like it's not voyeurism because they're in a public space and they would have had like clothes on it's not nudity so mm -hmm. you know it's that gap that we need to protect against so yeah for instance um canada where you live needs it ireland where i live needs it um and i i'm kind of hoping that the momentum from this will inspire other countries um mm -hmm to take it on and you know maybe some some grassroots organizations in those countries um i also don't think it is the end of gina martin's activism and i think she's going to be really fascinating um mm -hmm. to watch because number one i think she uses social media in a really smart way we've talked about this with um alexandria ocasio cortez yeah um that's, I think it's just vital. So, like, Gina has the most beautiful Instagram you've ever seen. You need to go yeah. follow her after this, Micah, if you don't already do. Mm -hmm. It is stunning. She kind of uh, paints over her pictures. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Her username is at Gina Martin UK, if everyone would like to follow her. Um, so she paints over the, the photographs and... Um, you know, uses the app as a creative platform. So I think, you know, outside of this whole activism thing, I think that's something that's really great is a way to make Instagram work for you rather than mm -hmm. you working for it. You know, using it as a creative outlet, I think is so fascinating rather than just, you know, mindlessly scrolling. Um, her captions are very candid and authentic and informative. And she recently did an Instagram live video where she drank wine and answered questions while her pet tortoise ate some leaves. So, you know, that's kind of like what Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez has done. I think, you know, Instagram is definitely a platform we can use and social media in general to educate and galvanize um, people, which is vital. Um, she's also releasing a book in June this year. It is called cool. Be the Change, a Toolkit for Activism. Um, to read you the little blurby blurb uh be the change is an essential handbook for the modern activist whether your campaign is big or small local or global or somewhere in between if you want to challenge injustice in your school workplace or community if you want to lend your voice and more to a charitable cause close to your heart or if you are inspired to take on a complex issue on a massive scale Gina Martin's practical and empowering advice will give you the tools you need to ensure your voice is heard, your actions are noticed, and your demands are met. So this is currently available for pre-order. I will definitely be pre-ordering this because I am absolutely fascinated to know how I can get involved with these things, um, even if it's not, you know, politics, but just activism on some level. I think everything can just seem so overwhelming as we mentioned before there's so many problems in the world so deciding which one you're going to champion and how you're going to go about it and how you can um best use your time and skills i think it's going to be absolutely fascinating so i'm a pre-order that and i will present my thoughts to you when we do our june uh reading watching listening nice
So welcome to your Freaky Friday pop culture. Um, woo woo! We talked about doing pop culture mostly so I could teach Yasmin about YouTube, which, as a person on the internet, is a weird gap she has in her internet knowledge. Yeah, if you do not remember me mentioning this in previous episodes, I just know nothing about YouTube. For some reason, mm-hmm. I think that whole thing just passed me by, which is like such, imagine just being like, YouTube passed me by. Yeah. Um, it did. I have never downloaded the app on my phone. I don't think I'm subscribed to anyone. Um, I would occasionally watch. There's actually there's a couple like fashiony kind of YouTubers mm-hmm. that I watch, but like I honestly thought vlog was pronounced vlog until like quite recently. So I am very excited for this. If you guys are also YouTube illiterate, this will be enlightening for you too Mm -hmm. so originally i was going to talk about youtube the giant weird wonderful (laughs) and then i thought kind of impossible you could do an entire podcast on it so i thought we would talk about the vlog brothers who we have talked about a lot brothers or the vlog brothers um, oh this is um the fault in our stars man man (laughs) (laughs) um Last episode reference, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Go um, back and just check it out. So, John and Hank Green are kind of the, one of the oldest people, groups or channels on YouTube. Um, they've been there forever. You kind of, I think, looking at them is useful because it tells you kind of like how big YouTube is mm-hmm. and like how much you can do with it. Yeah. So, they're kind of like the things you associate with YouTube and YouTube culture. They started. So. so let's talk about them. Um, so they started their channel in 2007. Um, Is that before John's books or what's the timeline of uh, that? So John's first two books had come out. Uh, Which are? Looking for Alaska and My Friends of Catherine's. Yeah. So those okay. had already come out. Um, yeah. John was living in New York and Hank was living in Missoula already. Um, And they started um, because they were inspired by Zay Frank, who was, like, the OG of YouTube. He was doing this. He's Uh, really interesting. He actually now runs BuzzFeed. He runs their creative department. What? Yeah. Mad. Um, And he he used to make daily videos about, like, stuff happening in the world and, like, insightful thoughts and stuff. And the Vlogbrothers started their channel and were like, well, YouTube's already so established. It had been, been around for two years. And, like, we're never going to make it on this platform because, like, it's already, like, it's too late. Isn't that- People have already started. Um, so they That's decided- such a nice message, though, right? Yeah. Like, because I think you kind of think that with Instagram, but, I mean, the world record-breaking egg just started, a, you know, a few weeks ago. Or um, mm-hmm. do you follow Mrs. Hinchome? I think that's the username. That's mm-hmm. the handle. She's like a, a cleaning Instagrammer that like literally just started a few months ago. Like there's still yeah. huge influencers coming out of Instagram. So that's super inspiring mm-hmm. that you don't have to be there within the first two years. So they started in 2007 and they started this project called Brotherhood 2.0, which where they decided to stop t- uh, communicating textually. So they didn't email, they didn't text. Um, and they only what? made videos back and forth for an entire year. Oh my god! And they kind of That's like, mad. yeah. Um, and they 
kind of talked about how they'd really drifted apart as kids. So they grew up in Florida, and John um, went to, to boarding, boarding school. school. So if you've read Looking mm-hmm. for Alaska, it's just yes. like a lot about his time in boarding school with like different characters. Um, and so they like weren't very close, and they decided to do this project. Um, and it was like going That's well. So and they made a bunch interesting. Of Super interesting. And they started. But it's weird how like people's lives are like so can become so tied in with like the internet or like this project, you know, like their relationship Mm -hmm. was at stake here. And I'm so glad it turned out very well for them. Yeah. So they made videos back and forth, and then Hank made this video called Accio Deathly Hallows or Accio. However, you want to say the spell in Harry Potter. Accio. Accio. Um. And. It was all about how excited he was to read the last book. And it's kind of weird and nerdy and funny. And it like went viral for YouTube in 2007. (laughs) It went, so YouTube used to have a front page where like individually they would choose content to go on it of like what was the most popular. The front page doesn't really work like that anymore. But at the time this was like really how you learned who people were. Um, and like so, the Instagram discover thing, right? That kind used to of, be yeah. like, that used to be like the best pose, and now it's like tailored to you or something. So yeah, yeah. Um, so they blew up on that, and then kind of gained this huge audience. And so now they have this really tight knit community that they call Nerdfighteria. And if you follow them, you're called a nerd fighter. Um, which brings me to a side note: there's so much inside language involved in their community, like so many insights. <laughs> All this stuff, and it's kind of ridiculous. But I found a glossary you can look at online that has, like, everything you would ever need to oh, know. Oh, shut up. I yeah. love that. So I'll link that below. Um, the one important one you need to know is DFTBA, which means don't forget to be awesome. And they say that at the end of every video. It's kind of their Aww. song. Um, and then there's, like, weird ones, too. Like, at the beginning, um, John's wife, was Sarah, was called the Yeti because she refused to be on camera. <laughs> Um, now she's, like, on camera all the time. She has her own show, which we'll get to. Um, so now they've been on YouTube for 12 years, which is, like, a long time. Um, they have 3.1 million subscribers, which, like, now doesn't seem like a lot. But I feel like their impact really? is about, yeah, like, like the big ones, like, PewDiePie has, like, 10 million or something like that. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. You kind of, like in stratification like you can start making money around like a couple hundred thousand but then you can make them big bucks like yeah millions um how much does um the, what's the conspiracy theory guy the one with the kind of crazy eyes shane dawson mm. yeah i don't know how it. many shane dawson has okay um quite not important vlog brothers vlog brothers sorry i so apologize Shane Dawson, part of that kind of OG community, but not as, like, old as the Vlogbrothers. So they have, like, a decent amount of subscribers, but I think their impact is much more interesting when you look at everything they've done. So, like, they're not just on YouTube. So I think the most important thing, and I think what they would consider one of the most important things they do is charity work. Mm -hmm. So in December 2007, so around almost the end of their project, they did Project for Awesome, which was when the YouTube community came together and made videos about their favorite charities and then made a commitment to like and comment on all of them so that they would all go to the front page of YouTube. And for many years, they, like, dominated the front page. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And so now every year, and, like, the second weekend of December, they do a 48-hour live stream. 
where they go and they watch all these different videos and people who have like 10 subscribers, they like watch their videos because you submit them to this website and they collect money for charity. So in the first 24 hours, all the money goes to selected charities. So they do Save the Children and Water.org, like really like big, important charities, Doctors Without Borders, they sometimes do. Um, and then the second half, you get to vote on your favorite charity. And then the top voted charities get the money. Um, and so all this money goes to their foundation, which is called the Foundation to Decrease World Suck, which is a fun name. It's a registered charity. And I like that. Yeah, in uh, 2019, they made $1.6 million. That's um, amazing. Yeah, so they partner with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to match those donations. Um, it's really awesome. Huge. It's like a really big thing they do. Um, they also, other yeah. charity work, which I forgot to mention, is they sponsor an English soccer team or football team. Um, the Wimbledon team. They're their main okay. sponsor. Uh, fun charity because John is really into uh, football. Um, right. Yeah. Wow. I know. This is like really opening my eyes. I Everything. like never heard of it in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other yeah. charity that they're really involved okay. with, which I think is important, is called The Star Won't Go Out. So mm-hmm. Esther Earl was this um, girl who's a really big part of the community. She had cancer um, and actually became really good friends with she when she, right. she died and her family created this charity so and uh, Flock yeah. Brothers has been a really big part of the charity. But she also inspired The Fault in Our Stars. Like It wouldn't have been written without her, along with the fact that John was um, so beautiful. Uh, he worked in a hospital, a children's hospital, as a religious figure, like a, not a preacher, a priest, a pastor, a priest. He's um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know what you mean because I remember, yeah. I remember reading about this. In mm-hmm. I think is there a bit at the the back of the fault in our yeah, stars, maybe where it's like a teacher's notes kind of thing. And I remember yeah. reading something about this. Yeah, but he did that as well. So those kind of two things. Inspired the Fulton Air Stars a lot. So yeah. lots of charity work, huge amount of money, a really big part of what they do. They donate like a lot of what they make now to charity. Um, That's great. That's like really great. And feed it back into the community, which is really nice. Um, the other thing they do, which kind of like has changed entirely the way that YouTube works, is that they created VidCon. What? Um, Even I've heard of that. So for those not in the know, VidCon is this <laughs> massive conference about online video creation mostly about youtube but like when vine came in it was about vine um it started in 2010 kind of small at the time started in anaheim um at first it was a collaboration with the two brothers and then hank kind of took over hank is kind of the face of most of their company stuff now um and then they sold the conference to viacom which is like one of the big um youtube yeah people who buy a lot of stuff um and in 2018, but Hank and his team still run it from Missoula, which is funny. Um, and so it has performances yeah. <laughs> and, and meet and greets, and there's this massive expo floor where you can like see all these products and stuff. Um, it grow, it's grown so much. It kind of, it's way different than it used to be. Like it used to be really like nerdy and community based, and like really about John and Hank and like their community. But then it's like a kind of Comic Con kind of thing, or yeah. But mm. and it was like very much like you knew the people who were there, and now right. it's kind of like okay. a popularity okay. contest. Oh, like it used okay. to be about YouTube creators meeting other YouTube creators because like everyone right. and their mom was a YouTube creator, but now it's about fans meeting creators, 
which is like this shift that happened in 2015, I would say. Like the first five Mm -hmm. years of the conference were very much, first four years were very much like learning how to be a better YouTuber and meeting your internet friends. And then it became like, how do I get to meet like Logan Paul or whatever? But that's kind of like the shift on the internet in general, yeah. right? And that mm-hmm. like the people who are Instagram famous now or YouTube famous are like genuinely famous and they're like yeah. up there with like actors and singers and, and like models and that kind of, like they're like that's a type of fame. Whereas yeah, as you mentioned it before, you know, those like top bloggers or something are probably someone you could have just like messaged and, you know, yeah. emailed with back in the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now it has become that I think as much as social media offers you an insight into people's life in a less filtered way than a movie would, mm-hmm. I think there's still this absolute idolization of people that mm-hmm. we, it, it, it's strange when you think about it when the so premise is that they're a normal person. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's strange. Very, you get that on YouTube a lot. Um we can talk about that in our next Freaky Friday episode of, like, the big life-changing controversies that happen in YouTube. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but mm. now VidCon is in three locations, London, Melbourne, and Anaheim this year, and 90,000 attendees will be going to all of them. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Um, That's big. Yeah, yeah. The London one just happened, like, two weeks ago. It looked fun. I don't know. Right, okay. Um, so they did that, and then they've also, like, expanded their YouTube empire. So they have a company that was called EcoGeek, which was the name of Hank's company before they started all this YouTube stuff. It was, like, an environmental activism company. It was interesting. Um, but now it's called Complexly. Oh, cool. Um, and it's their, so it's a production house, and they're housed in Missoula, Montana, and Indianapolis, Indiana, which is where they live. Um, I love it. Yas Midwest. (laughs) And like so many people have moved out to Missoula just to like work in at the production house. It's hilarious. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say because they were like fans and I was like, no, no, no. No offense, but like who likes someone that much that you moved to Missoula, Montana for them? So many people have moved to work. Okay, for a job, whatever. That's fine. I got that. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so Hank is really the CEO. I think John was co-CEO for a while, but then he stepped down because he wanted to write and he wanted to work on his books and his family. And then he had like these mental yeah. health problems, which he talks about a lot, which is one thing I really like about them. So they're really open about yeah. that type of sort of stuff. So they have all of these educational channels. So crash course, which maybe you've seen in classes is, um, yes, I've seen that in class. We used to watch it in high school. Yeah. Literally yeah. our teacher would put it on. Mm. Um, so they have history, English, physics, computer programming, everything you could ever want. Um, SciShow, which is like kind of a news and intellect info show about science. Um, the Art Assignment, which is a uh, co-made with PBS, and it's about art. Wow. And Don's wife, Sarah, hosts it because she's a curator at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. What a cool so person. So she's super awesome. Um, <gasps> I want to be her. Yeah. And so then... Um, that was such, like, an accidental valley girl. I want to be her. Be her. Uh, sure. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh, Ty. Okay. 
Okay. Um, other shows, uh, Sexplanations, which is hosted by a sexologist named Lindsay Dill. I think we talked about it in our sex education podcast. Um, yes. Uh, healthcare Triage, which is about health research, but also the state of healthcare in America. The Financial Diet, which is awesome. It's about, um, like, how to have better finances as a like millennial and it focuses a lot on women and having better finances Wait, what the heck why don't i know about this yeah, i'm no, sorry it's so good. the coolest things ever they have a Are blog you- so the financial started diet started as a blog with these two young women that. Like in yeah, their late yeah. 20s. and then they have their their own youtube channel as well which is really well done but like there's just so much like yeah no it's insane to do all Oh, my mind is blown, Micah. There's probably yeah. so much more you have to go through still. Um, okay, and so then financial diet. How to Vote in Every State is a 50-video series that tells you how to vote in every state, which was awesome. And then they've also done narrative productions. So they've done two um, Jane Austen productions. They've done The Lizzie Bennet Diaries and Emma, and they're made as if uh, Emma and Elizabeth Bennet were vloggers, and they, like, tell their story to the camera. <laughs> It's actually wonderful. It's so good. Oh, I love that. I love that. So that's a lot of fun. Um, to YouTube. And there's other ones, too. And some of them have failed, and some of them have been massively successful. Um, and they also podcast. Oh, really? Wait, tell me about the ones that have failed. Sorry, just before um, we get into the podcast, can you so they had a fail? Oh, this is a fun YouTube history one. So there's something called Truth or Fail, um, and it's like a game mm-hmm. show on YouTube. So it, it used to be back in the day... Um, you could put something called an annotation on a YouTube video. So it would be like a button on the video yeah. itself that would link you to another video. Yeah. It don't exist anymore. But it used to, it was a game show. Really? Where you would like ask questions and then you'd click on the annotation. It would take you to the next part of the game show or you would fail. So truth or fail. That kind of and failed a little bit. Not- but- Okay, but, like, what I think is interesting about that is because, like, if you're building such an empire like this, you really would have to be willing to let things go that aren't working, right? Yeah. Like, if that if that isn't working, I think it's so fantastic that they just went, you know what, this isn't working, but something like the financial diet is and, mm-hmm. you know, that needs our energy because we think it's really important and it's, it's able to reach people. Yeah. So I think that's such a good lesson as well, right, is mm-hmm. that, like, knowing when to cut your losses and what to shift your energy yeah. into. They, one of, like, the narratives about Hank is he's, like, constantly coming up with new business ideas, like, always. I love I love and some, most of them are pretty bad. Um, but a lot of them are really great, and so he just does that all the time. And you get to hear a lot about that seamless transition on their podcasts. Um, so they have four. Uh, Dear Hank and John, which is a question podcast with Hank and John and people sending questions. And, and that is the one... And I like always send you this, and I'm because they they post these. Um, again, I really Animatic. don't want to hear about these people, but they always yeah. post those like the 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 pictures on Instagram, and it's like you can see like the yeah. sound wave, and you can hear them talking. And I'm like, my God, we need to figure out how to do this, to do guys. That. I actually think we have figured out how to do this. So, um, oh my gosh, Micah, you could do it of this sound clip, and it'd be really meta. Yeah, so meta. <sighs> so if you're listening to this from the future we figured out how to do it so exciting ah trippy 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 Mm -hmm. but yes okay so that's what i know about that is that they know how to do that so they they do that they know how to do that um they have 
they talk about they answer questions and they talk about the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, which is the football team they sponsor. Yeah, it's a fun time. Um, the Anthropocene Reviewed is like a it's a show that John talks about the different things in the human centered world. Just the phrase he talks about two different things, and he like it takes him a month to write them because he kind of writes like prose about them. So he'll talk about like, and he'll review them. So we'll talk about the penny and that sounds really boring, but he like tells this wonderful story about his life and his relationship to pennies and like what they mean in the world. And it's like Guys, beautiful writing. Right now I'm like, what, what? Yeah. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> but like who comes up with these kind of things and then can actually execute them? Like I'm just yeah. so impressed by that. So impressed. Um. And then there's Delete This, which is Hank's podcast with his wife, Catherine, where they go through all of the tweets he tweeted, and they talk about whether he should be deleting them or not. And it's a really interesting discussion about, like, the place of social media, specifically Twitter, in our lives. Um, yeah. It's really good. Um, and then, last but not least, uh, I thought I would talk about their personal accolades, so what they've done themselves. So, John, yes. as you know is an author and since starting on youtube he's done paper towns the fault in our stars and turtles all the way down uh the fault in our stars or tiffios if you're in the know is like is that what people call it yeah tiffios people actually say that yeah that's what they call it in the community i was calling it tfios tiffios Oh my god, I'm an idiot. Oh, I'm this sorry. is like vlog. Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I'm so sad. But yeah, that that like went insanely. It's a bestseller. Right? Many many weeks, and that spawned um, the Paper Towns movie and the Tiffios movie, and now John like one of the big things he does is is executive produce the um, he executive produced Paper Towns, and he's doing the production for Looking for Alaska. Um, so excited also throughout the 12 years they've been on YouTube John's had two kids Um, one of them's called Henry and the other one's called Alice and they actually I can't remember I think it was for the project for awesome they got Obama to be on their live stream or no maybe they did an interview with Obama and they asked him what when Sarah was pregnant with Alice what they should name her and he was like not having that responsibility but yeah they called her Alice um, oh, that was a fun time. Amazing. And they used to, they don't put their kids in the videos anymore, which is like understandable nowadays, but they used to. And there's really cute videos of Henry on their channel. Um, and they're making like dinner together. It's adorable. I will link that video because it make when I'm sad, I like watch that to be happy. It's great. Oh. Um, so Hank has just, he, he helms the empire. He's the CEO of everything. Um, he did a lot of music. They had the song that blew him up, but they also he does like really funny nerdy stuff. And they did a lot of tours back yeah. in the day, which was one way that like really built community. Um, he also, as we've talked about on this podcast before, wrote an absolutely remarkable thing, and he's working on a sequel right now. Um, I along with music, love that book. The more the time goes on, right? Yeah. Like at the time, I was like, man, and I'm like, but I'm always like, I should go back and read that. I really enjoyed that book. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for that sequel. Me too. Um, so he has a record company that sells music and also shirts. Yeah. Um, it's called DFTBA Records. Um, so like back in the day. Don't forget to be awesome. Yeah. I learned. 
Um, back in the day, YouTube music was like a really big thing. Um, and a big part of that was Harry Potter music. So it's called Wizard Rock. Um, and so they, yeah. So they produced a lot of Wizard Rock, but also just like independent music. Um, Wizard Rock. Including Troc, which is Time Lord Rock, which is Doctor Who inspired. Um, the things Stop. you learn. Yeah. Uh, I like told you you'd so learn much. about other YouTube other than them through this. Um, the other thing that Hank has done, which has been a failure but is wonderful, they're called 2D glasses. So if you go to a 3D movie, you can't watch them without the glasses, right? But his wife would always get headaches when watching them with 3D glasses. So oh we have 2D glasses, which means yes. you can watch a 3D movie in 2D. I've heard about this. Yeah, that was a Hank Green invention. Oh my god, stop. How do you, like, I'm sorry. How do these people have time to do all these things? I don't like, know. It's been no, 12 but seriously, years. are they like, yeah, but like, is this like a Mark Wahlberg thing where they get up at three o'clock in the morning? Like, I do they have if they have a vlog about their daily routine, <laughs> I will watch that. that. I don't do, know if do they, they do. have one of those, but Hank says he likes to sleep in. Oh, and also, Hank has a kid, his Sorry, name is Orin. Oh my god, his kid's name is Orin. Oh, He's very cute. I love it. Um, he doesn't oh show up that much, but there's an adorable video on Twitter of him, like, shaking his butt while dancing. Um, <laughs> and his, his kids, are, his kid is much younger than John's. So his kid's, like, two, and Henry and Alice are, like, well into elementary school. Um. Okay. And I have a question. Yes. Now, I do know this about them. So mm-hmm. John's not on social media this right year, now, right? now, no. Okay. Do we, like, have we heard from him? Because he's still doing Yeah, the- so he, like, they still make the um, podcast every week. Oh, okay, um, right, right, right. And, and he's still he posting on YouTube. So okay, they make, okay. Now they make a video every um, every week. Hank, uh, John on Tuesdays and Hank on Fridays. If you miss a video, you get a punishment. And your video has to be four minutes long. And if it's over four minutes long, unless it's educational, you also get a punishment. And the punishments are, like, <laughs> eating gross food or, like, having to do multiple videos. Or And the punishments are determined by the community. We, like, vote on oh, them. Stop. Yeah. So has he talked about not being on social media? Like, has he yes. mentioned it? I'd be really interested to hear how that's going. But the problem is when people give up social media and you only know them from the internet, it's really hard to know how they're going. So I think he has a video on it. I will look into it. He talks about it on the podcast a bit. Um, yeah. And apparently it's going well. It's kind well, of... The- notice any benefits in particular or yeah oh this was a great thing he i think in his last video he said how when you fall in love for the first time nothing feels real until you tell it to the person you're in love with and it got to the point where nothing felt real unless he told it to the internet which i think a lot of us feel oh, like you know like that need to like document it all the time yeah yeah um, and so he's like i'm he's he says it feels good to like divorce himself from that like, that would be really interesting because yeah. I think I like suffer from that a little bit and I put it down to like being a writer or whatever you know you're yeah. kind of like coming up with captions from things and you're like you know as things are happening you're coming mm-hmm. up with like a caption and like I mean I think that's good in a sense if you are a writer it's exercising that creative muscle but I mean if you're also someone who's written multiple books that's probably where you want to be exercising your creative muscle yeah. rather than an Instagram caption so very interesting mm-hmm. so Hank's still on the social medias, and you can follow him on Twitter. He's still as addicted as we are. 
Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah. that is the Vlogbrothers um, and a little bit about YouTube culture just through the like absolute craziness that is what they've done in the last 12 years on the internet. Um, yeah. Well, Color Me absolutely fascinated Mike, which you probably realized from my frequent, oh my gosh, <laughs> random interrupting questions, which I apologize for. But that was an absolutely fascinating segment. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so that brings us to the end of our Freaky Friday episode. Mm-hmm. Please let us know if you if you liked this one, um, because maybe Michael will permanently kick me off pop culture. <laughs> no, I don't think that will be happening. Um, Mike is far too good at the politics to let me take over five ever. But please let us let us know your feedback because this could be really fun to do occasionally. Um, you know, more than once a year, which we're yeah. at at the moment. Um, so what will you be up to over the next month between now and next time we will be listening to you, Micah? I think just lots and lots of school, working hard. Your ultimate Getting semester. stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost mm-hmm. done. A month and a half left. And wow, that's so soon. It is. So a lot of girl. Work, but good work. And, it, and spring is coming, Absolutely. so I'm happy. Oh, global warming has made spring come here already. The day we're recording this, it's 17 degrees Celsius in Ireland in February. February. Yeah, I think it was snowing this time last year. So, well, it's it's hovering above zero here. So, see, we should be like that. But um, Mm -hmm. if you guys want to go back to our our episode about climate change. I think that's going to be valuable. Yeah. Um, so aside from potentially getting sunburnt over the next month, I was going to tell you all that it's my birthday and I'm going to Belfast with my friend to celebrate. But that's at the very end of the month. So I'll probably be recording before that, actually. Yes. In which case, there's not a lot going on. Again, I'll be back next month to tell you about settling into my job. <laughs> um, or keep up with me on the interweb um unlike john green i'm still there i am at yasmin lomax on instagram and the twitter micah where are you i'm at miss clearwater on instagram not really the twitter fabulous and Mm -hmm. our pod is at dtcbs podcast on the gram um you know what? I think our gram is really going off lately. I yeah. think it's going quite well. Just to remind everyone, we post really good um, memes and photos that are both pop culture and politics related. Um, and then every Sunday, we post like a reading list of um, pop culture and politics articles. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if you ever want to suggest an article for us to share with people, whether it is one you really enjoyed, or maybe it's your own, maybe you're, you're a writer yourself, um, just chuck us a message. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll give it a squeeze and share it with our fans. Oh my god! Imagine <laughs> if I actually called people fans. Um, but until um, airy season, maybe it already, it's not already. No, it's not already airy season. Um, so until airy season, goodbye, everyone. See you next Bye. time. Bye. Bye.